I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidanova. And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now. So lock your door, put your headphones in and enjoy. Perry Power, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. The world's best trauma recovery podcast. I love it. Thank you for having me. Perry, I'd like to start with a question. Why is it so important to break the silence? Because there's too much on the line for you not to. I say to a lot of people that you need to weigh up the pros and cons if, if you ever want to do something in life, right? When it comes to, okay, should I stay living in silence or should I break my silence? The, the cons to living in silence for the rest of your life far outweigh the cons of breaking your silence. You know, you could say, well, if I break my silence, this could happen. People might not believe me. You know, the shame might be magnified. Uh, the person who abused me is still out there in the world. But the cons of you living in silence is you might go down a road of addiction to alcohol or drugs if you're not already addicted. You could lead to a path of suicide. You could lead to a path of abusing your own children, right? You might think, oh, I would never sexually abuse my own children. There's a lot of abusers out there who said the same thing once upon a time, right? But you, when you go down a path that you never thought you would go down, you do things you never thought you would do. And uh, like my dad, he didn't live in silence. Uh, he, sorry, he stayed in silence and it led to his deathbed. So in regards to why should somebody break their silence, it's to protect themselves from a world full of pain for themselves and for those around them. This is so true, Perry. You just nailed it. Where is your trauma coming from? The bulk of the trauma. So the main, if somebody says to me, trauma, what's the first thing that comes to my mind is the sexual abuse that I went through with my step-granddad, which happened for over a year. And it wasn't penetration. It, it was more sort of fondling and more words and more, you know, but it, it, was, it was things that I thought was a form of love from my step-granddad, you know, so I didn't see it as traumatizing. I didn't see it as something that I was scared about. Oh, I don't want to go near my step-granddad because he might do this to me. It was, oh yeah, I wanted to do that to me because I don't get it from anyone else, you know, which is, which is, is, is an interesting perspective, but you're a child, you know, who, who doesn't know the evils of the world yet. So therefore you don't see your family member as evil, right? Because you don't know it exists until either you're educated about it or unfortunately, but in my case, I see it as fortunately going through it myself because it's from the person I am today. So the trauma, the bulk of the trauma is from the sexual abuse. And then I have trauma from, which I think lots of us um, can relate to from parents. So from my dad, 
not sexual, not sexual abuse or anything like that, but just, just the way he parented me. He, he came from a position of instilling fear into me as his son. So I need to fear my dad. So if I'm going to do something wrong, then I need to fear the repercussions that my dad is going to give me. And so, and that was our parenting style. And it's definitely not a parenting style I would be doing with my kids, but it worked to a certain degree because, you know, I didn't want to get on the wrong side of my dad. You know, so a lot of trauma is there in that relationship between me and him too. Thank you for sharing, Perry. And you know what? As a kids, we don't understand what is bad, what is good. It's in our nature to, to receive the love, to receive cuddles, to receive hugs and kisses. We crave it. We need it as, as kids. And yeah. there is nothing wrong. And you know what? So many people would live in a shame and a guilt that, that they went and, I don't know, sit on the lap of their father or grandfather or, or mother even. And then they will blame themselves for doing this. It is so true. And I think that a, a lot of, I mean, I've spoken to, and this is no exaggeration, over the last four years, uh, thousands, thousands of um kids teenagers and adults who a mixture of living in silence and have broken their silence and the number one key word that came up the most for everyone was shame they you know they they living in shame over what they went through and like i was speaking to somebody yesterday she she messaged me and she's talking to me about her story she goes yeah but she goes but with my story it just nobody will be able to relate to my story you know Mm -hmm. and i said to her i said are you saying that because you haven't told anybody about your story yet. So here's the thing. When we don't tell anybody about a story, we're living within the four walls of our mind. So therefore, it's just me, myself, and I. So if it's just me, myself, and I, well, of course, no one's going to be able to relate, right? Because only I can relate to what I've been through. And I said, once you start telling people, then you're going to be absolutely gobsmacked by the amount that other people will be able to relate to you. And I said, and that's where, not entirely, but that's one way that shame can start to slip you know, it can start to fade away when you start to realize, oh, I don't need to feel shameful over what I went through because, well, for one reason, it wasn't my fault. For another reason, there's other people who've been through the same thing. So therefore, I don't need to be embarrassed about it. Exactly. Very. how the abuse was revealed? So a common, a common way that the, it happened not all the time, most of the time, would be where I would sit on my step granddad's lap whilst we were watching TV, right? And there would be like a blanket over us and he would just do whatever to me. And there was one time where around the house, so this is around my nan's house. My, so I was on my step granddad's lap in the living room watching TV. My stepmom was on the couch opposite watching TV. So if you imagine you've got two sofas that are facing each other and what's separating the sofas is like a coffee table, kind of like a standard living room. And, but the, the other couch is just turned ever so slightly just so it's positioned to watch the TV. So you're not straining your neck when you're turning. Now I was on my step granddad's lap. My stepmom was opposite on the couch. We're watching TV and this, and I don't remember any of this. So this is through the words of my stepmom. She was like, I was watching TV and she goes, and then out of the corner of my eye, so my step-granddad used to smoke roll-up cigarettes, right? He always used to smell roll-up cigarettes. And so he was smoking and he had his arm over the, the arm of the sofa 
with a cigarette between his two fingers and is just dangling over. He's watching TV. His other hand is doing his business with me. And then the cigarette drops out of his hand, falls onto the carpet. So she sees it out of the corner of her eye. She just looks and looks back at the TV, not taking any notice. He's going to lean down and pick up the cigarette because why wouldn't you? But then moments go by and he doesn't move to pick up the cigarette. So now she's like, but it's burning a hole in the carpet. Why is he not? Surely he must know the cigarette drops into the floor. Do I need to go down and pick it up? And then she looks up at me, at me and him. And then she sees his hands moving in a, in a very odd way underneath the blanket within my private area. And then she goes, and she, as soon as she saw that, she goes, she just couldn't believe it because it was right in front of her. It's not like he was trying to hide it. Like he went to the extent of putting a blanket there, but that's not really hiding it. And she, so she goes, she just stood up and all of the hairs on the back of her neck just stood up. And then she just didn't know what to do. So she went out of the living room into the kitchen and then called me as if she just wants me to come to the kitchen, maybe to make me a drink or to do something. So I was like, coming, then I go into the kitchen. And then she's like, what, what was happening? Like, what, 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 what was going on in there? And apparently I was just like, what, nothing? Like, so I'm like, well, what, what's, you know? And then she takes me home and then she tells my dad. And then, my, and then that's where my dad just gets furious. And then he then says to me, well, it's interesting. His reaction was to have a go at me, to yell at me. And my stepmom was like, why on earth would you want to yell at him? You know, he hasn't done anything wrong right don't you dare yell at him so he didn't he doesn't yell at me but i do remember i don't remember i don't remember like the whole conversation but you know sometimes when you're a kid it's like you know like as a dogs are more known to respond to sounds and energy as opposed to words and i feel like not exactly the same but i feel like it's very similar to us as kids i remember the energy that my parent had in that specific flashback as opposed to the words that they said I remember the energy from my dad and it was a very dominant, angry force from him. And he was like overshadowing me. And he was like, what happened? What happened? And then I told him and he, and then he's like, and then, cause I remember I've been like, oh, but like, it's not wrong what he was doing to me. I, like, I enjoyed it. Right. Right. And then that just infuriated me even more. Like he went ballistic at me. And he goes, right, don't you dare go and tell anybody. He goes, don't go to school, tell your friends, don't tell anybody else in the family. Keep this here at home. And I was just like, okay. I still though, I, I was angry at him, right? I in that moment, I saw him as the villain of the story because now he was stopping me from going around my nan's house to see my stepgranddad. So now he turned to become the villain of the story, which my dad probably felt from me. And he's like, hold on a second, I'm not the villain. Your 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 granddad's the villain, you know. But yeah, that's that's how it stopped. And I never went around there again. I never went around to my nan's house. My step-granddad died about two years later from a heart attack at work. And then my nan died about a year later. She had a stroke and then she just, just didn't make it back. Why do you think your father told you to be quiet? Because I found out why about uh, maybe 20, no, not 20, but 12 to 13 years later. I found out because he was sexually abused growing up by the same man. And, um, and it's like, it's, it's like in that situation there, he wasn't having a go at me. He was having a go at himself. 
and he was having a go at his stepdad, right? He was yelling at his stepdad there and partly yelling at himself, probably. Like, there's definitely been situations over the years where I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense why my dad acted that way. It made sense why he said that. It made sense why he went on to drugs. Not all of his life. It only happened for a couple of years. And then it made sense why later on in life, he turned to alcohol and became an alcoholic, a very, very functioning alcoholic. And it made sense why when we was in the car and he tells me to watch the film Spotlight, which for all the listeners, if you haven't seen Spotlight, you should. For acting performance, which is outstanding. For storytelling performance, which is outstanding. And for a true story about Catholic priests molesting children all over the world within the Catholic church. And uh, he told me to watch the film. And I said I had watched it. And he said at the end of the film, where my step-granddad grew up, which is in Cork in Ireland, that that was listed at the end of the movie, which then made me realize, okay, so what? So my step-granddad was abused growing up, which I'll get onto later on. And, and then I said, oh, so that makes sense. That it makes sense why, you know, he, but all I said was it makes sense. In my head, I was like, it makes sense why he abused me and, uh, because he was abused himself. So I was like, oh, so it makes sense. And then he flipped. Like my dad, my dad could not keep a lid on his temper. Was, you know, he's quite an angry man. And he flipped and then just got out of the car, slammed the car door shut. And he goes, it doesn't make sense for anything, right? And, and I was like, oh, he's getting very protective over me. But he wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with me. It was to do with him. Because what I just said there was, dad, you know, it makes sense why he abused you. Because he was abusing himself. And because he hadn't found forgiveness and he's still living in a world of hate, uh, he was living life as a victim, hence the alcohol and hence the negative mindset and hence his reactions a lot of the time. Yeah, it just, it just made a lot of sense. So that, that definitely explains why he told me to keep silent because he was living in silence and he was ridden with shame, with fear, with guilt. Because then when he found out about me, because I remember once when I was on a podcast, and I never, I had never, ever thought about this before. And it got me stunned. Like, I just wanted it to just come off the podcast. Well, it wasn't actually a podcast. It was a Facebook live show. So there's quite a few people watching. And I really wanted to just slam my laptop shut and then just say, oh, sorry, my wife, I went, right, to get out of the situation. But I stayed and I sort of rode through it. But it was like maybe six months after I first shared my story. And I remember his name's Lauren. I remember him saying to me, never been asked this question before. He goes, so... You know, so your step-granddad, your dad's stepdad, abused him. And I said, yeah. And he goes, so why on earth would he have let you go around to the same house that his stepdad abused him in? Why would, he, why would your own dad, who's meant to protect you, allow you to be around the same man that abused him? And I, I was just like, no word. It's a very good question, right? Because like my dad is like, as I've grown older and as I've become more aware of a lot of things in life, I'm like, damn, that guy was not an angel. He was uh, absolutely far from it, right? But he tried his best. But when he said that, I was like, and if I wanted to lean into that, why enough did my dad let me go around there? You know, why didn't he protect me? I'll never be able to ask him that question because he only asked after my dad passed away. But it is something to think about. And I know that there's a lot of people out there where they're in a similar shoes to that and they're like yeah well that's that's true why and i i don't i mean i have ideas as to maybe why but i would never know the true reason 
Yeah, you will never ever know the reason why your father did it. But from the victim perspective, I I can just I can only guess. I think with the sexual abuse and mental and physical abuse, the perpetrator takes our power away. You know what? We can run through the door, we can leave, we can fight, but there is something is happening mentally that you just, you're like a donkey with a carrot. You just follow it because you don't have a, you don't have power. You don't have a will. You don't have a self-esteem. Everything just gets destroyed. And, and he was probably conditioned, you know, to do this. And he might have a hope that, that his father wouldn't do this to you. And he didn't want to cut you off from your grandfather because it's a family. Yeah. Anyway, do you think, Perry, if your father would start the healing process, would free himself from the tyranny of shame and pain and guilt, he would stay be with us? With you? Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. If he, if he had healed his wounds, he'd still be alive today. Yeah. In your book, you are, you are telling the story how your father passed away. And your book, and I can tell you, is one of the best books I've ever read. You take your listener with you on your journey. I could feel everything you were describing, including when your father passed away. So congratulations. Oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. How did writing the book impact your life? The book had the biggest impact on my life in regards to how it changed it uh, when it comes to opportunities to help people, when it comes to my brand, when it comes to how I'm showing up in the world. I get asked a lot, did, did the book help you with healing your own wounds? My answer to that is not really because my heels were wounds before I started writing. Because the book, the book wasn't a way for me to get my story out there. The book came like two or three years after me consistently sharing my story. And I was like, how else can I get my story out there? Oh, okay. I haven't written a book yet. Let me try that. You know? So it was, it was more from that angle. And I, I, I love writing. Writing for me is, is extremely therapeutic. You know, if I'm like struggling to understand something, because I, I find that emotions lead me just left, right, and center all the time. But if I can try and write through it and write something down, it really helps me. So that book uh, was just like a natural path for me. You know, if I didn't do it then, I'll be doing it at some point in my life. And that just happened to be the right time. So in regards to how it impacted me, as soon as that book went out there, I caught the media attention. I got into quite a few. I got into The, the, the Sun, which is the biggest news outlet in the UK. I got into thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. I got into two the front the, the front the front cover of two local newspapers. I got into a couple other newspapers, uh, did my 10x talk, which came from the book. And and now I am um now I'm which I'm already in the process of, on on pre-production on. We're waiting to get a third writer on board, is which is turning that book into a 10 episode limited TV show. With the with the hope of well not hope it will happen it will be on an, on a network we're hoping Netflix just because of their 
the um the reach that we can get this message out to but that's the thing it's like as soon as i read the story i'm like okay i know what i want to do with this book i want it to be in three parts part one is my story part two is the story of others part three is how somebody can break their silence and the book acts as a guide so they can write their story they can be, become the 15th survivor and write their story inside the book i was like so now when i'm putting this book out there is like, okay perry you now have a duty to lead with your story even more so now because you've got a book behind you. So people expect that from you. People, whether you like it or not, ego to one side, people are going to see you as a leader. They are going to see you as an authority on a specific subject. Otherwise, why on earth have you written a book? So it's like now, okay, whatever efforts you were doing yesterday, you're now an author, right? It went to number one or two categories on Amazon. So it's like now you're an author whose people are listening to. So now you've got to 10x your efforts now. So that's, I think, that's probably the biggest thing for me is, yeah, loads of things happened since my book came out. But internally, it's like, okay, Perry, you're, you're need, you need to scream this message out. Like, you thought you were doing that already, but now you need to test yourself and get even more creative and do it even more. I have a goosebumps on my skin. I'm so proud of you, Perry. And my dear listeners, if you haven't yet, please check out Perry Power, book about breaking the silence. It's amazing reading. And it's so inspiring and empowering. Perry, and you, you are doing such an amazing job. You're still young. When is 27? Yeah. I'm a baby. I'm a baby. <laughs> I still haven't hit puberty yet. So when my, when my, 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 my beard comes through and I get some facial hair, <sighs> then, uh, then the, the game is going to change. Well, I am. I'm, I'm young. I'm 27. And I, forget, I do forget that sometimes. I'm like, like yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. yesterday was a, was a tough day because I'm like, I, I, it's like we all have these funks because we're human beings you know yesterday my girlfriend helped me yesterday because i was like I'm, I'm not doing enough in the, in, the, in this world you know i'm not doing enough you know there's so many people out there that need to hear my message and i just i don't have a big enough audience yet like i need to be doing more and i really like pushed myself down yesterday feeling like and then my girlfriend's like no but what have you done so far you know you're 27 what have you done so far you've done a book you've done tedx you've done all this i'm like yeah but I'm like, I, 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 my, I set my expectations and standards so high because all I want to do is serve other people. So it's like, I need to constantly remind myself, dude, you're so young. You know, you're so young. And you got literally, what's, well, I mean, I'm, I'm living forever. So it's not me trying to say I've got eight years left. I've, I've got eternity left to, to create impact. So I do need to constantly remind myself of that. I can tell you, you are already making a huge impact. You don't need to push yourself hard. It's about, you will inspire people by living your life, but enjoying your life, being fulfilled. It's not about serving, serving, serving. It's about showing people, hey, there is a beautiful life on the other side of the trauma. That's what people are looking for. And you will see, it will, it will take off. But without any pressure, just enjoy yeah. it. Perry, and how, how do you help people? Well, I mean, uh, as you said there, we've got, we've got the book. I, uh, I have my, my DMs open. It depends on, on who it is that they need help with. But if it's just, for example, somebody, if it's a child, we've got my charity out in America, which is uh, We Rescue Kids. So what we do is when a kid is referred to us, we provide them with one of our licensed child therapists to give them mental health care, to see them, to see them through. 
which is extremely fulfilling. It's, 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 it's very fulfilling. It's hard work. Not, I mean, starting a charity is absolutely hard work. I mean, this year I'm going to be going through. Um, so the charity in the States, there's three of us who run it. And, and I'm very fortunate that's one of the, uh, so Juliet, so she sort of fronted the formation of the charity. But here in the UK, I'm going to be starting up my, my own charity uh, to, for, for male survivors of sexual abuse. So for boys, for male teens, for male adults, and to give them the support system that they need to break their silence and heal their wounds and to become the best version of themselves. And that's going to be a charity that I'm going to, I'm going to be doing that differently. So like I live in a place called Bracknell. So what I'm going to be doing is instead of like launching a charity out to the whole country of the UK, I'm going to be starting it locally in, um, in the county that I live, then expand out by county, by county, by county. And then just let it expand out and take over the whole country bit by bit so I can help people on my doorstep and then expand out. So that is uh, one of the plans of this year because there's, you can help people online. You can help people without even knowing that you're helping them. But then when you help, like last week, I went down to a youth center and that was just like, I didn't even see the kids yet. I'm going to see the kids this coming Monday, right? There's 10 of them, 10 kids. Mm. And they are youths um, who have been kicked out of schools. So because whether it's because they're fights or drugs on, on campus or whatever it is, they've been kicked out ages between 10 and I think it's 11 and 16. And uh, so they're not allowed to go back to traditional schools. And what they do is they send these kids to, if it's within this area of the, count, of the county, they send it to, to this woman. Her name's Becky. And... Becky runs a, a youth center. And so Monday to Friday from nine to two 30, they can still get their qualifications, but it's for these kids. This is a tremendous thing she's done. But anyway, she saw my story and she saw about the, the sexual abuse. And she goes, she knows at least three, but maybe even half the kids there have come from sexual abuse backgrounds. And she sent me pictures of, she didn't, obviously because of protocol there's no faces in the photo so it's just like off their body but she sent me a picture of like these two girls sitting on the couch reading my book and i was like that's a that's a different ball game then i went down there after the kids left and i spoke to her and and i've been speaking to the eldest the oldest girl who's been raped and abused by four members of her family and she's been reading my book and she said to me, you know, Perry, this is the very first time that I feel like I'm heard and I am believed. And this has given me the courage to go through this police trial to get them done. And, and I've had that and I've had messages like that before and it's been amazing. But when it's a girl who lives down the street from me and this coming Monday, I'm going to go down there and see these people in the flesh. It's just a different ball game. And that, that made me realize I want to do, I want to do more in the, in the, in the local community. So like, it's just, it's just amazing. You know, um, don't worry. I mean, I cried when I heard it. It's, it's just phenomenal. Like the, ugh, this is the thing. It's like these kids, these kids are just at home. Right. And they just, they're just they're at home with parents who should be loving them, you know, but instead of going home they're being roped by their dad or they're having cigarette butts burnt out, burnt on them from their mum. I went through, when I first got my book out, this is what was the change that made me serve others. I'm like, I'm going all out. So when I, when I released my book, uh, sorry, no, actually this happened when I went viral on TikTok. 
And there's one out of many, just one girl reached out to me. I was going back and forth where she goes, yeah, I'm at home with, um, if I remember this correctly, it's a while ago now. She goes, I'm at home with um, my mum. That's why I got the cigarettes. She, but she'll stop the cigarettes out on her. And then with the uncle, so her brother, and the uncle used to rape her and beat her. And she wanted to go and live with her dad, but she couldn't, okay? Because the mum had custody. And uh, after going back and forth with her, three months later, conversation died down. Three months later, I reached back out to her, see where she was at. And she goes, literally from our conversation, because I said to her, you can do it. She goes, should I go to the police? I said, you, I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? But just know that you do have the strength and the power and the courage within you. I don't care how old you are. You do have it within you to mm-hmm. go down to the police station and tell them what's going on. You don't deserve to go to school, to come home, to be physically abused, to be sexually abused by people who are meant to love and care for you. And, and then, um, so I, I told her that. And, and then three months later, I spoke to her and she goes, I've done it. And she goes, oh, she goes, I was going to reach out to you. And she goes, but you beat me to it. And I said, well, what's happened? And she goes, I now live with my dad. I was like, no way. She took him to, she took him to court and they got done. And now she's uh, living with her dad. And I was like, unbelievable yeah you can't put it into words and now this girl locally happened she currently she's literally as we speak going through police trials um investigations with the four members of her family and it's just a just a different ball game you know i remember yeah very congratulations you're saving lives right now who knows if those girls wouldn't go to police, wouldn't speak up, who knows what would happen to them. And as you mentioned, it could be any sort of addiction, drugs, alcohol, and so on. And who knows, their, their life could go completely, like completely under prostitution and all this stuff. They, they could continue this cycle of abusing their kids. So that, that is, is, no, that's it. And you're right. I'm actually speaking to one lady at the moment who is in prostitution. You know, mm. it's just crazy. Like she is in, pro- in prostitution right now. She goes, I'm, I'm in prostitution because I've been raped for as long as I can remember. You know, she goes and, um, and she goes and with my ex who she goes, I'm still seeing because I don't feel like I had the power to walk away. Mm-hmm. this is all that i do at the moment she goes i feel like i'm having power by being in prostitution because at least i'm getting money for it <laughs> I'm just yep. like, and she goes and she goes and i know that this isn't a right lifestyle for me she goes and i don't know what the answer is she goes but just as least, at least i can talk to you about it i'm like if, uh, you know and i beat myself up because i'm like what what else can i do but i'm like perry sometimes what you are doing is the best and that's just you know for for all these kids out there right who are going through abuse and i say kids because that's who i talk to the most when it comes when it comes i mean i talk to a lot of adults but like with these kids who they're just looking for like the older brother you know to look out for them they're just looking for that cousin or for their best friend who they don't think they have at the moment and all they want is just someone who they can relate to because they're sharing Mm -hmm. their story and this is why like going back to what you're saying earlier but like like how come you know how do you help people like amongst all that, I do coaching too, right? And I say to and I say to people like, if you if you have a story, and you're in a position where you're like, you know what, 
I know I've been through shit, right? I know I have, but I'm not coming. I'm not in a place where I'm operating from wounds. I'm operating from scars because I'm a warrior, right? Then it's like, okay, that's fantastic that you're here, but now you have a duty and an obligation to use your story to serve others, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there's people out there who are trapped in whatever you've been through and it's your duty to help them. And it's like, that's all we can do. And I think like if, if we can all come from that place where we can just use our story to serve others and to help others, then it's just, just a lot of healing in this world will happen and continue to happen. And it's about coming out from the shell and telling about your experience to educate the society. Because unfortunately, this is the only story we are not allowed to tell to anyone because it's so hard. It's so bloody hard. People just looking away. People don't want to hear it or know it, know it. And unfortunately, the victim is the only person who is suffering from sexual abuse. Perry, what would be your best advice for someone who wants to tell their family what's happened to them? If you haven't broken the silence to yourself first then that is where you start now i want to say that because a lot of people who are living in silence they believe okay well i need to break my silence and to do that i need to tell those that i'm surrounded with i.e i need to tell my parents or i need to tell my siblings or my, my wife or my kids or whatever it is but in this example let's just say your parents right i need to tell my parents and whilst, yes, I mean, that is, that is true. I mean, it depends on the situation, but more than likely, yes, that is true. But it's not always the case that you need to tell them right this second because, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, um, because they haven't healed from their own wounds first and they haven't broken the silence to themselves first, they put so much pressure on the response of their parents that if they just say one word that's wrong, or if they have a bit of energy that maybe you've miscommunicated or you've read wrong, that can keep you living in silence for the rest of your life. Because the first time you break your silence, your dad or your mom doesn't respond particularly well. And because you've held so much in their response, that could be game over. And that has happened multiple times, hence why I'm saying that. So I say that if you're living in silence, break the silence to yourself first and as many times as possible. So, so um, I mean, I talk about this all the time, especially in the back of my book, TED Talk, whatever. It's like there's, there, there's, there's no rule for how to break your silence. It's literally just taking the, taking the emotions that you've had locked away in you for so many years and expressing them through clay molding, through art. So, you know, imagine a blank canvas. You know, like I say this all the time. If you go to an art gallery and you see a canvas on the wall and there's paint splatter all over it, you might be the how is that art? What is that? I could do that. I can take a paintbrush and just splatter paint over that. But how do you not know that your artist was living in silence for 33 years because they used to get raped by their dad? And this right here is the very first time you're looking at somebody breaking their silence to themselves. Now, all of a sudden, the art takes on a whole life of its own, right? And this is the thing. So you can you can write a letter to yourself. You can journal it. You can write a book, right? That nobody needs to read. You can tell yourself in the mirror because words have a lot of power and meaning to them. So, so rather than making the first step, telling your parents, 
make that step 26. And the first 26 times is just as many different ways as possible breaking the silence. So now, okay, you've either healing or you have healed your wounds, okay? You've found acceptance, you've found forgiveness and you have moved forward. And now it's not, you're not telling your parents from like, oh, I really hope that they accept me or I really hope that they believe me. It's I'm telling them because I, I, I just need to express this. Doesn't matter what their opinion is. Doesn't matter whether they believe me or not. They don't, they don't believe me. I'm telling them because mom, dad, you need to know this. You know, your son and daughter, this, it happened to me. Um, and I just wanted to, I love you guys. And I just feel like you should know that about me. That's a completely different than mom, dad, uh, you know, uh, I want to tell you something and, and really, really hope that they wrap their arms around you and give you love and comfort, which is what we all hope. But if, 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 if our parents or our uncle or our brother or our sister are the ones who sexually abuse us, that is enough proof to show that sometimes they don't always have our best interests at heart, you know? And that, and that just is, that's the reality sometimes, you know? So therefore I'm like, break the silence to yourself first, you know, turn, turn those wounds into scars and then you go out and then you go out and you share your story and then you can make your parents your first person. That was really amazing advice. Thank you so much. No worries. Perry, where people can find you? I operate mostly on either Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. I, bet I, I'm, I haven't posted on there for a while, but I do have a lot of content. So if you're, if you're someone living in silence or you just want to see what it looks like to get your story out there, then you can go onto my TikTok. My TikTok is I am Perry Power. My Instagram is I am Perry Power. And on Facebook, it's just Perry Power. So you can feel free to reach out to me, send me a DM, whatever it is. I'm, I'm very notorious for the fact that my DMs are always open and I would always speak to you about your story through your story. Get on the phone, doesn't matter. I do a lot of work for, for the people. Um, so if you do need somebody to talk to, then you can reach out. Perry, do you have any concluding thoughts before we go? My concluding thoughts is just that we need to own a narrative of our story, right? We may think that we, it depends on, on what sort of, what place you're at in your story, but everything that's happened to us has happened for a reason. I say a lot of the time that sexual abuse and my dad's death are some of the best things that ever happened to me, right? And, and I say that because I'm proud of who I am today. And if I didn't go through any of that, I would not have the story that I have today. I would not have this message. I would not have the charity. I would not have this aligned purpose that I have today. So therefore I thank to the high heavens that I went through that. So therefore that is shifting perspective on how you want to look at the things that you've been through. Okay. You can either let it numb you down or you can let it empower you to go out there into the world and use your story to empower others. So my concluding thought is what have you been through? If you haven't already, shift your perspective. Be thankful that you went through it because you can use it to create a movement of social change. And that I really do urge you to do that because there's a lot of people out there and there always will be with the amount of people on this planet. There always will be who need your help and to hear your story. Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Bauer. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy, but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way and I can help. 
reach out to me directly at anna at annamaidenova.com to get work. You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure to like, subscribe, and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.